Thank you for listening to our Truth in Life podcast. This season, we will survey the Bible's unfolding story of redemption. From Genesis to Revelation, every book points to Christ and edifies His church. For more information on our church, visit ChristTheWord.com. All right, guys, it is 9.15. We're going to get started, okay? Thank you, Greg. That was great. That was a good pop. That was a good start to the class. All right, um, before we get started, we're going to pray. All right? It's a good way to start. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would be with us this morning. Soften our hearts to your word as we go through 1 Samuel. Help us to learn. Help us to change from your word. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, guys, before we get started, let's recap the first two books we went over. So Judges, what was Judges about? Quick. The judges. Great. <laughs> so the cycle of the judges, right? So they sinned. God oppressed them. They cried out to God. They sent judges. They turned back to God, right? The people didn't have a king. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. All right? Good. Ruth. What was Ruth about? Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, as a type of Christ. Perfect. Yep. So... It's a, a stranger grafted into the family of God. It's a beautiful redemption story, right? And now we get into 1 Samuel, okay? Uh, the books of 1 and 2 Samuel were originally together. Um, they were split up as they were translated into the Greek, uh, into the Greek, into Greek. Um, and the author is thought to be Samuel. Here is where we're at on the timeline here. It's about 1100 BC, right around here. So it's, it features three main characters here in 1 Samuel. We'll, we'll get into Samuel. We, we see Saul, the first king, after the people asked for a king. And then we, we get into David, a man after God's own heart. So uh, yeah, so it, it'll go from Eli which who will raise, kind of educate Samuel in, in the ways of God. Uh, and then we'll, we'll end with the death of Saul. Those are kind of the, the two starting and end points. Um, you can kind of group together um, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, and 2 Kings is, is kind of the rise and fall of the kingdom of Israel. So if, if you want to think about that, it's kind of a good, good way to just know what's happening in those books. Um, it's a transition period, so we, we, we're, we're going from judges to the establishment of a monarchy. Um, as it was repeated four times in judges, there was no king in Israel and everyone did uh, what was right in their own eyes. So in that, the author of Judges was setting up uh, what was going to happen next. Um, the people were going to reject God, they were going to ask for a king. Uh, the rule of, uh, of the judges will end with Eli uh, and Samuel. We see the people of God, as I said, calling for a king, rejecting God. Um, and then we see, we see the nation uh, is missing. A, they, they, they look for a human king, and, and they, they think that that will solve their problems. But do you think that's, that's going to solve their problems, a human king? No, it is not. So 1 Samuel is, during, is a, a time where the word of the Lord is rare. Uh, it wasn't being taught by the priests. The priests were doing 
pretty wicked things. They're doing some wicked acts, as we will talk about later on. Uh, there's, it's not really a, a good chronological book. It's, it's a little all over the place. There's kind of long periods of, of times that we just don't know what happens. It kind of just says Samuel grows old, and then it skips 20 years. So um, we'll try to fill in the details, um, keep, you, keep the themes in mind. So the goal that we constantly should be thinking of is the establishment of the kingdom of God in Christ. The priesthood of Eli, the prophetic order of Samuel, uh, and the kingly rule of David all kind of point to this, is our need for a savior, our need for, for Christ. This is uh, always our, our, our goal. Uh, it's, it's, our, it's what we should be looking for uh, in, in the, the scriptures. Uh, the value of, of history and knowing the Bible is to know why we need a Savior, why we need Jesus. So that's why we're looking at this. A few themes that I want you to, uh, to look at as we go through 1 Samuel is we see the, the power of prayer. We see <laughs> Hannah. She's a prayer warrior. She, she incessantly prays for a son. And she's given a son by God. We see Samuel. He prays without ceasing. He prays when, when he, his back's against the wall. And then we see David also continually seeking God. We also see what happens when a father neglects um, to raise up his children in the way they should go. Um, we see God opposing the proud and raising up the humble. We see God's uh, overruling providence, and we see some foolish acts that are going to happen, but we see God's protection. So it's, it's really good to, to see all these themes throughout. Um, they're encouraging. They're convicting. So um, with that, we're going to get into, jump into the story, kind of the outline. The first part, we're kind of splitting them up into the main characters. We're going to talk about Samuel. Uh, we're going to talk about Saul, and then we're going to talk about David. So, Samuel the prophet. The opening chapters of 1 Samuel give an account of life of, of, in Israel under the last two judges. Uh, that's Eli and Samuel. Uh, Eli was technically a priest, but it does say that he, he was a judge and he was a, kind of a national leader. Uh, and same as Samuel, it, it says he served uh, Israel for 40 years. Um, in chapter 7. So he was a judge, even though they weren't in the book of Judges, they were judges. Samuel is a child, as I said, given by God with, uh, with the prayers, persistent prayers of Hannah, who was barren. She was actually being teased by her, her, uh, her husband's wife, um, and she was, she was bitter. She was bitter to the point of just giving it up to God and, and just praying and praying and praying. And she went to the temple and Eli thought she was actually drunk because she was praying so much. So she, she probably looked a little, little crazy, but uh, she was praying to her Lord that she would be given a son. And, and she was given a son. So Samuel is a child given by God. Um, and we learn from First Chronicles that Samuel could also perform priestly duties. So, so what, what happens is she was like, God, give me this son and I will give him back to you. So she, she, she gave birth to Samuel 
she ended up um, weaning him and then she gave him to the church. He became uh, Eli's, uh, a, well, he was uh, raised up pretty much by Eli. So uh, she would visit him and, you know, take care of him sometimes, but she really, she really uh, gave her child up to God, which is a challenge to, to us in how we view our children and how we should give our children up to God. Early on, we learn that Eli isn't really doing a good job of being a priest. Um, he is neglecting his responsibilities as a father. We see his two sons, Hophni, Hophni and Phinehas, they're acting wickedly. They are taking advantage of the people's sacrifices. They're eating the raw meat. They're becoming fat. They're, they're sleeping with women at the gate. It's, it's, it's horrible. Um, and Eli's not really doing anything about it. They didn't know the Lord. They didn't fear him. And this, this was Eli's failure. Um, he didn't teach them the ways of the Lord. He, he was a priest, and he didn't raise them up to truly fear God. Um, he allowed them to become priests, even though they didn't show fruit as well. So because Eli, he, he, uh, he does rebuke his sons verbally. He says, what are you guys, what are you guys doing? Like, stop. Um, this is kind of like a, a dad who's sitting on the couch and sees his son hitting his other kid and, and just yells at him. Like, hey, quit it. And then does nothing. And, uh, which I'm guilty of at times. I mean, I think we all have done this. But there are real consequences to this. So we need to, to heed this warning. Uh, so Eli is visited by a man of God who tells him that because he disregarded the priesthood, both of his sons will die uh, on the same day and the priesthood would, would be torn away from his family. So while this is happening, uh, Eli, to Eli, uh, it's actually said of Samuel that he's growing in stature and in favor with God and with men. So while Eli isn't doing so hot, Samuel's, Samuel's doing well. He's, he's, he's growing in, in the Lord. He's growing in favor with man. Um, and he's eventually called to prophetic office. So the persistent prayers of, of Hannah, of, of a woman of faith, turns into this, this young man of God who is following and fearing the Lord. So the Lord is with Samuel. And uh, within a short time, he's, he's recognized throughout the land and established uh, as a prophet of the Lord. I think that's a pretty, pretty remarkable thing. Uh, and this, this kind of marks a new period in the kingdom. As we saw in Judges, the Philistines are, are occupying parts of Israel still. They are growing stronger uh, year by year. And this is how the Lord will bring judgment on Eli's house. He, uh, Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's sons, kind of foolishly take the Ark of the Covenant to, uh, to battle. Uh, thinking that just by having the ark there that they would, they would uh, win. Um, there was 30,000 30, men were killed that day, uh, and Hophni and Phinehas were killed, uh, along with the Ark of the Covenant being taken. 
And uh, Eli's told that his sons are dead, and then he was told eventually that the Ark of the Covenant was captured, and uh, he heard his sons were dead, but then when he heard that the Ark of the Covenant was captured, he, he, was like, he fell off his seat backwards, broke his neck, and, and died. So that, that's, a, that's a bad ending to a life. Um, so after this grim death, um, responsibility of judge fell to Samuel. So he's, he's kind of the leader of, of Israel at this point. Uh, he is the last of the judges. He's not, he's not a, a military leader. He's, more, he's, he's a spiritual leader. Um, not like Samson, but he ruled in other courageous ways. He looked to God um, for strength. He called the Israelites to truly obey God. He called them to reform. Um, his work was important. It was, it was kind of blended as a judge and as a prophet. Um, and it, he was really, in a, in a real sense, one of the first prophets. And he, he started kind of the prophetic order, um, the school of the prophets. Um, and as we will talk about kind of later on in the next couple books. The presence of the ark uh, brings disaster upon the Philistines after they capture it. Uh, they develop tumors, other sicknesses, and eventually the Israelites return the ark. They're like, we don't want anything to do with this ark. We don't want anything to do with this God. We're getting, this is, this is horrible. So once they return the ark, Samuel uses this opportunity to call the people to true repentance and to turn to God. And the people respond. They, they actually remove the bales. They remove their, their idols and... Uh, they turn to God. Um, and after this, Samuel is, is, uh, is trying to guide these people and the Philistines. He calls them all together. So they're all gathered at Mizpah, which is just a city in Israel. Um, and, and the Philistines try to take advantage of all the Israelites gathering together. Um, so they're, they're about to attack Israel. And Samuel, uh, he... He's crying out to God. He's offering burnt sacrifices as the Philistines are, are really just charging after him in hot pursuit. There's, there's thousands and thousands of chariots and, and men coming after him. And while, while I would probably be, you know, getting my sword out and getting ready for battle, he, he's on his knees crying out to God and, and, and giving burnt sacrifice. And, and God... God saves them. We see Samuel's prayer here. It says uh, he, he incessantly prays and, and intercedes for the people. Uh, and then we see the great Philistine army coming at, coming at them, and he cried out to the Lord. And the Lord answered, saying this. He says, as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion. And they were defeated before Israel. So Samuel cried out to God for Israel, and the Lord answered. It's, 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 a, it's a great, great thing to see uh, a prayer being answered. And Samuel prayed to God and expected God to deliver, to deliver the Israelites. Uh, and next in the book, a lot of time kind of passes. Samuel grows old, uh, and then... Israel asks for a king. Uh, 
In his old age, Samuel appoints his two sons who, ironically, they weren't following God. So Samuel failed in his fatherly responsibilities of raising up children as well. Um, while he was doing well in other areas, he, he uh, neglected his responsibility as a father. Um, he didn't rear his children. He didn't teach them about the goodness of God and the need to walk in his ways. So the elders of Israel eventually approach Samuel. Um, and they say, hey, look, you're old. Your sons are, are not following God. And um, give us a king. Give us a king to lead us. Uh, give us a king that will lead our armies. And, and that's, that's what happens. Uh, Samuel is obviously hurt. He's disheartened. Um, and what does he do? Does he argue with these guys? Does he say, why, why have you done this to me? No, he, he turns to God in prayer. Um, here's what he says. I'll just leave it up there for you. Uh, but he, he tells, God tells Samuel that they haven't rejected you. They, they've rejected me as king. So this is, this is just like their fathers who, who, brought, who, they, who he brought out of Egypt, who rejected them. They, they, uh, he says, give them a king, but warn them what will happen if you, if you give them a king, if a king will be over them. Um, Samuel warns the people, he says, he says to them, you guys are going to serve this king. You guys are going to give up your, your resources to this king. Uh, he's going to build his kingdom at your expense. He's going to use your sons for his armies. He will take your servants to do his work. Um, you're not going to like it. You're going to cry out to God and say, please, we don't want a king anymore. But he's, uh, he's not going to answer you. He's going to let you, let you suffer in that. So the people refuse to listen to this warning. Pretty common theme. But that's what we got. And God gives the people what they want. So the Lord chooses Saul. Uh, he is the ideal king. He's tall. He's handsome. Uh, he's everything Israel would want in a king, uh, at least externally. And, uh, and Israel rejoices he, uh, with their new king. And, and Samuel gives his farewell address as their leader. He tells them that he listened to their voice. He gave, gave them a king. Uh, and even this great king will not be able to save them from judgment if they don't obey. Just like the time of judges, God will oppress when they rebel and will save them when they turn to him. He tells them now that they have their king, uh, they couldn't turn back. And even though he was rejected as their leader, Samuel promises to continue to pray for them. He, he says, I will unceasingly pray for you. And uh, I just, that's, Samuel was a humble man. Uh, he knew his purpose. He knew the power of God, the power of prayer. And uh, he sought to turn all the hearts of the Israel to God. So his prayer and, and supplication for his people is a great example to us um, in prayer.
so the, bur the book of 1 Samuel, the monarchy of Israel begins. So if you didn't get anything out of this class, know that, okay? Um, the beginning of Saul's reign is, is pretty good. He's humble. He's like, why? Why'd you choose me? I'm a... I'm nothing. I'm from I'm from Benja I'm a Benjamite. I'm and I'm 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 the least of the families of these Benjamites. Uh, and he he actually f starts to follow God. He prophesies. He's doing okay, but early on you can kind of see he's a little off. He he actually he's winning battles, but he it's it's his son Jonathan that has more faith than him. He Jonathan leads, leads a charge in battle, and he wins a victory, and he takes credit for his son's victory. He sounds a trumpet, and he's like, yeah, I, I did this. Um, so you kind of early on see his pride. You see that he wishes to please men over pleasing God and, and fearing God. So Saul's, Saul's true colors uh, are sh show through as he fears uh, this huge Philistine army they got 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen uh, that camps near the Israelites. And Saul was explicitly told by God to wait seven days for Samuel to come, and he will give up the burnt offering. So he waited seven days. Saul gets impatient. He, um, the people are fleeing. They're afraid because they got a bunch of mean guys coming at them um, trying to kill them. But instead, instead of trusting in God, he trusts in his own wisdom. He does the burnt offering. And as this is happening, Samuel shows up and he's like, what are you doing? It's like, I told you not to do this. I told you to wait for me. And uh, Samuel, Samuel uh, then tells Saul of God's punishment. Uh, and here's what Samuel says. He says, uh, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he has commanded you. For the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord had commanded. So God would have established Saul's kingdom forever. He says that. But, but he didn't because he did not obey. He didn't simply obey. Um, and at this point, though, though Saul remains king, his offspring won't, won't succeed him on the throne. And there's constant warfare. There's constant battles uh, throughout his reign. So as we see, Saul, Saul proved to be a man after the people of Israel's heart. He's not a man after God's heart. He, he offered sacrifices to God, but, but not properly. He took credit for uh, the victory of his son. Uh, he willfully fought enemies of Israel, but he did it, he did it for his own glory. He didn't, he didn't do it to seek God's blessing. Um, all of his obedience was outward. Um, he didn't really have a faith in God, as we, we see. And it's clear that he sought his glory and not God's glory. So he feared God. He didn't fear man. Also a big takeaway. The final straw uh, is when 
Saul was told by God to utterly destroy all of the Amalekites who acted wickedly against Israel. Uh, and what does he do? He doesn't utterly destroy everyone. He leaves some of the good things. He, he listens to the people and, and saying, hey, maybe, maybe if we just take a few of their things, it'll, it'll be fine. It's, it's not like we're doing any harm. But it is harm. It, he, they diso he disobeyed God's word. Uh, he led the people astray. And here's Samuel's last rebuke to Saul. It says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. So he, he chose to not obey. He chose to give in to his flesh to please the people over obeying God, and he was, he was judged by God. And then Samuel has to finish the job by killing the king of the Amalekites. He takes a sword and he cuts him into pieces. This is really the only time that we see Samuel doing like army work or battling, um, but he has to because Saul was a coward. Um, as I said, Saul's son Jonathan he, he proves to be a different character than his father. He was unselfish. He was, he was warm-hearted, genuine, noble. He was a great friend, a man of faith, and a man of action. He, uh, he said to his armor bearer, come, let us go over to the garrison and these, of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So he knew the power of God. He knew that God could, could deliver the Israel by as many or as little people as he wanted. So we, we learn that Saul feared man, while his son Jonathan feared God and believed in God's power. Which leads us to David. And he is the great King David. And we won't really talk about his kingship, we'll more talk about his, his uh, rising to power in this and kind of fleeing from a jealous, prideful Saul. Um, but David was a man after God's own heart. And the Lord told Samuel to, to go find this, this man who was gonna be the next king. He, he went to Bethlehem to anoint one of Jesse's sons to the throne. Um, the Lord, and the Lord says to Samuel, don't look on his appearance. Don't look on um, the height of his stature. Um, for the Lord sees not as man sees. He sees the heart of, of a man. So Samuel thought, oh, it's got to be the oldest son of, of Jesse because he's, he's just like Saul was. He's, he's tall, he's handsome, he's, he's a valiant warrior. Um, but that's not what what God uses. He doesn't use the strong to do his work. Um, and then the youngest brother, the, the, the runt of the litter is chosen. Uh, he's, he's anointed with oil and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. He's not um, to be revealed to Israel for some time. 
So he, he returns to his duties among his brothers. He continues to be a shepherd. Um, and meanwhile, at, at this time, uh, the spirit of the Lord departs from Saul, and he kind of becomes, becomes crazy. We see here kind of God's providence, not kind of, we do see God's providence in, in uh, introducing David to the king's court. David was a skillful musician, as you guys probably know. Uh, he's brought in to soothe Saul by playing the lyre when he's troubled uh, and distressed in spirit. So he, he's, he's someone has a relationship with Saul. He's, uh, he's in the court, and then he periodically returns home uh, between his responsibilities with Saul. And then at this point, he takes up Goliath's challenge. We all know the story. Um, people are fear, fearing this 10-foot giant that's kind of egging, egging the Israelites on. Um, but David, David had a different take on, on, on facing this guy. Uh, what was different about David than all the other soldiers, do you think? What, what do you think he had? What kind of, what was his confidence in? Faith. He had faith in God, yes, that he would deliver. Uh, yeah, he had, he had courage, not in himself. He had faith in God, and, and he, says, he says this to Goliath. He says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of, the, of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And David slays the giant, giving life to the army of Israel, which causes Israel to rise up victorious. So we see David already uh, a good example to us, better than Saul, of true faith in God, uh, a man who truly fears and knows the power of God. And then after, at that point, Saul, Saul appoints David to be a captain of his army. He sees that the Lord is with him. He's like, all right, we need him on our side. And kind of along during this time, it, it said that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of uh, David, and they loved each other as brothers. And they, made a, they ended up making a covenant, covenant together. We don't really have uh, too much time to get into the friendship uh, between Jonathan, but they both loved God. Uh, they loved each other as brothers. And Jonathan ended up giving all of his, all of his armor to him, uh, his robes. Um, he, was, he had all the reason to be kind of jealous and, and uh, not like David because this guy was going to be taking his spot. <laughs> Jonathan would have been a good king, uh, but God judged Saul. So because of that, Jonathan is not going to be succeeding his dad. So with Jonathan's gear, the Lord gives him great success. Uh, and the, woman, the women uh, end up singing, uh, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Uh, and this really makes Saul mad. He, he completely loses it. He's jealous. He's just outraged, and really the rest of his life is, is, is put towards ending David's life. It's kind of, uh, kind of sad. But we, again, we see Saul really caring what the people are, are saying about him and not caring what the Lord is saying about him. So he's, again, a man after the people's heart. 
So he's a lunatic. He's in a jealous rage, attempting anything he can to kill David. And um, David's on the run. He's, he's eluding. He's trying to elude the, uh, the wickedness of Saul, the murder attempts. Uh, no matter what Saul did, the Lord caused David to prosper. We see God's protection on David throughout this, this whole story. Uh, and the more David prospered, the more Saul hated him. The more Saul sought to kill him. And uh, Saul couldn't take it. He couldn't take letting uh, someone else get the glory in Israel. But God continued to protect David. He uses Saul's children, actually, to protect him, Jonathan. He uses uh, Jonathan kind of goes against his father and tells David of, of his father's plans to kill him. Um, and also David's wife, uh, Michael, which is Saul's daughter, uh, protects him. Uh, he, Saul was kind of using her to try to take David out, but Michael loved David. She wanted to protect him. Uh, and although Saul wanted her to be a snare to him, God had different plans for her in protecting David. So Saul's attempt to kill David uh, became so bad. He's, he's in a cave. He's, he's got some time in solitude. And uh, this was useful to David. He, he's exercising uh, a life of prayer. Uh, and this is Psalm 57. This is an, an excerpt from, from that, from the time when he was in uh, the, one of the caves um, and it says, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in, my, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge. Till the storms of destruction pass by, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. Salah. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. I mean, this, this really shows David's faith, his true, honest faith in God. It's not an outward faith like Saul's. It's, it's a faith that knows God's power, knows his protection, uh, and it trusts in this protection. And he takes refuge in him. Um, opportunities arise for David to, to take Saul's life, but he won't kill the Lord's anointed. <coughs> Um, David even feels bad when he cuts off his robe to kind of show him, hey, I could have killed you, but I didn't. Um, and uh, Saul, Saul's still, he's still mad at David, um, but he also, after he, he shows him his cloak, he, he declares his appreciation for it. He's like, thanks, thanks for not killing me. Um, and he confesses that he's been foolish because he, he sees that David is following God. He sees that he's a man of faith and a man of, of, of good repute. And, he, and Jonathan's like, look it, like, David has done nothing wrong to you. He has done nothing wrong except follow God and be blessed by God. And, and you're trying to kill this guy. You, you're acting like a lunatic, which he was. And uh, he's still... He's still uh, goes after David. He, he doesn't relent. Sometime later, uh, while David, he's actually living in the land of the Philistines uh, because he, he just needs to get away from Saul, or so he thinks. I, uh, 
is here when David and King Achish is one of the kings of the Philistines. Uh, they became friends. And this, is, this friendship wasn't really like that of David and, and Jonathan. It's more of a friendship of convenience. Um, it's a what can you do for me type friendship. And uh, it didn't glorify God. So while David was, was you know, being friends with King Achish, uh, wars declared between Israel and Philistines. Nothing new there. Um, and then the opposing camps are setting up. So the Philistines are going to battle. All the lords of the Philistines are, are kind of, they're, they're looking back. They see David in their, in their ranks. They're like, that guy is an Israelite. He's, we're, we're going to fight these Israelites. You think there's something wrong with that? Like, and then, uh, so they were like, all right, go get out of here because we don't want you in our battle because we think that you could probably turn against us and, and uh, help out the, your Israelite brother, brothers. So um, he doesn't go to battle by the grace of God. He doesn't go to battle against his own people. Um, and... Uh, Eventually, David returns back. Um, he had left, he, he was planning on going to battle with his men, so he left women and children back in the land of the Philistines, and they were actually taken by the Amalekites. They were plundered. Uh, their, their camps were set on fire, and all the women and children were taken captive. So this brings David to his knees. Uh, the people and him wept. And this caused the men, the army of David, to be embittered against him. And they actually spoke of stoning him. Um, this brings David to his knees. But he, he strengthens himself in the Lord. He, he turns to God. Um, and God says, go after the Amalekites. I promise to save your women and children. And God does. David and his army go and slaughter the Amalekites. And nothing was taken no one was harmed. So we see God's protection again on Israel and David and his people. Um, and meanwhile, the Philistines are warring with Israel. They kill uh, Saul's sons and they kill Saul. And that is the book of 1 Samuel. <laughs> it's a wild book. It's a uh, we see a contrast between two leaders. Um, we see one who fears man, and we see one who fears God. Um, both are sinners, obviously, but God's protection of David is, is obvious, and him turning to God is obvious. David's faith in that protection allows him to act even in his most desperate times. Um, it was David's decision to lead his army away from, from the people uh, so their women and children would be defenseless, but God still protected him. And God's protection um, is evident. Um, so when we seek and pursue God, he will, he will help us. That is, a, that is a promise. So, how we see Christ in his church in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, it gives us 
the promise of a faithful priest. It, it more form formally establishes the role of a prophet. And that will continue throughout the Old Testament. We'll get into it uh, in the next few books, uh, Second Samuel and more in the First Kings and Second Kings with um, the prophets there. It also establishes the role of a priest. Uh, the judgment of God on Eli and his family actually comes with a, a wonderful promise. It says, Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what in, is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. So the, the, the promise includes a reference to Samuel, uh, and it goes beyond that. It, it applies to the priesthood generally, and it points towards the final fulfillment, the perfect priest, uh, Jesus Christ. And then we see uh, Samuel the prophet. Samuel brought an, a really good influence for good for the people of Israel. It was at a time when people were not following God. The word was not being taught. Um, and as we, we saw, he was, he was given by God an answer to prayer by his mother. He was raised and instructed by Eli. Um, he knew the ceremonies of a priest. He was actually of the Levitical line, so he could do the priesthood. Um, he received visions from God uh, and was raised up by God to do his work. Of young Samuel, it was said, as I already stated, he grew in stature and in favor with both the Lord and with men. Um, this is also said of, of Jesus. When he was uh, young, it was said he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. So kind of pointing to, to Jesus as, as our perfect prophet. And then the office of king. So first Samuel, as, as I mentioned, it establishes the monarchy. Uh, in Saul, we see a selfish ruler. We see one who, with unrestricted authority, he, he serves himself. Uh, in David, we will see a king of Israel. We see a man after God's own heart. Uh, David is one primary Old Testament type of Christ. Um, he's from Bethlehem. He worked as a shepherd. He's reigning as the anointed king of Israel. In all these things, he symbolizes Jesus. Uh, and it's through Jesus that all these types and prophecies are fulfilled. But no matter how great these men are, uh, they fail in their duties, which points us to our need for a perfect prophet, priest, and king, Jesus. Application. We got some time. That is right, correct? Not, yeah, okay, good. Prayer and intercession. So the key message in the book uh, is the meaning of Samuel's name. It's, it means heard by God. So we see frequent occurrences that prayer is powerful. And some examples of this are Hannah. Um, we see her rival wife uh, causing her to be bitter. And she wept and she prayed. She prayed and prayed and prayed until that prayer was answered. Um, it's, it's really convicting. I, I know a lot of times I pray, but I don't pray and pray and pray. I don't expect God to answer my prayer after just praying it once. Um, it's, he, God wants us to 
to pray without ceasing. What, is that, what does that even look like? Well, it looks like someone like Samuel, who with 30,000 chariots coming at him is praying. He's praying to God. He's crying out to God without ceasing. Um, like I said, I, that, that wouldn't be me. I'm a, I'm a guy who likes to, you know, solve problems and think I'm strong. So I would have been trying to battle. But we need to turn to God when, when things, when we face adversity. We need to turn to God when we have no idea what to do. We need to turn to God when, when we don't know how to lead our families. He wants us to turn to Him. And He will answer our prayers when we do. And when we do, we will continue to do that. We will continue to pray and He will continue to answer our prayers in huge ways. And we need to expect it. So what, what have you stopped praying for? That's my question to you this morning. Uh, Maybe because it seems hopeless. Maybe your coworkers just seem, they'll never follow God. Why, why would I continue to pray for them? Why would I waste my time? Maybe, well, maybe your son, you don't see that your son will ever understand that obedience is better than sacrifice. We, we have such little faith in our prayer lives. We... We don't think that God can answer our prayers or will answer our prayers, but He will. He will. So, <clears throat> we need to be a people of prayer who pray often, who pray without ceasing, pray for miraculous things, because God can do it. It's, it's easy for God. And we need to, we need to act like it is. Um, also, I wanted to touch on a father's responsibility. It's, it's pretty crazy throughout all of the Bible, that we see men of faith having children who do not follow God. Um, it's a huge warning as fathers, as, as parents, um, of what our role is. Our role is, is to tell our children about God. Not only tell them about God, but to do, to be obedient, to, to show them how to follow God. Um, I think we can end on that. I think that's, that's a good thing to end on. Um, be obedient, follow God, and talk about God the whole day. Okay, Sam, yeah. can you pray? Thank you. Thank you for listening to Truth and Life. If you enjoyed the series, please subscribe. And remember, from Genesis to Revelation, every book is truth to live by.